It's a privilege to be here. Joe is a great friend. Uh, our church, Liberty Church, right over in Center City, has been praying for you from when the time when you guys started, and we're just super grateful for the work that you guys are doing here in Gloucester, and uh, it really is a privilege to, to share with you guys this morning. So uh, a couple of things. First, I just wanted to thank you guys um, for, for just being here and for uh, buying into the mission and vision here at Epiphany Gloucester City. Um, and then I wanted to kind of go into a couple of things. Last time I was here, so one, the sermon title today is How Do We Change, which is a topic that is difficult for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves in uh, our journey towards uh, Christian faith. If we're brand new or if we've been a Christian for a long time, change is something that is always, always that we need to have and something that always is a part of who we are. So I wanted to open and just kind of start um, sharing a little bit about my story, but I wanted to give you a verse that's from the reading this morning. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. We never actually know when God's spirit is going to intervene in our lives because that's what God does in the world. God's spirit is God's active presence. It's the movement of God in and around the world. We never know when we're going to be on a course that God is going to decide to send his spirit to disrupt us, to change us, to then send us out. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story of disruption, the way that God disrupted my life, the way that his spirit changed me. So I've shared with you guys before when I was here that you know some of my story, but I'm going to share it again. Uh, I was a hopeless junkie to one category you can use. Um, whatever the drug was, I did it. In the end of my road, I was on the methadone clinic. But more than that, I don't want to just focus on what the substances were that I was addicted to or the way that addiction had taken away my humanity or the way that it had had me living in as a derelict but I wanted to talk a little bit about the way that I tried to change. I knew at some point along the road of my addiction that I was done. I didn't want to do it anymore, but I didn't know how to stop. I tried everything. I changed jobs. I changed relationships. I tried detox programs. I tried outpatient programs. I tried everything. Changed relationships, social settings. I tried so hard and exhausted myself. I'd make promises, I'd make commitments, I'd make plans, but nothing ever worked. I would always end up right back where I started, no matter how hard I tried. And in the end, I felt defeated each time. I felt exhausted, I felt angry, I felt confused, I felt lost, I felt out of sorts. Because it was this thing that was destroying me. It was eating my life alive. And every desire in me wanted to stop. But I couldn't. No matter how hard I tried. I would try everything. I fought on my own. And I existed in what I considered this idea of self-will. Is when you try to do something by yourself. All alone. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen. And what ends up happening, you get caught in this vicious cycle of fear and pain. 
And what that cycle does to you is it leaves you trapped in the condition that you're in because you keep trying to move out of it yourself, but yet you keep being trapped in this cycle of fear and pain and you end up back in the same spot. You don't actually ever move forward. You just continue to exhaust yourself in this cycle. And I'll never, rem- I'll, I'll never forget the loneliness, the despair, the self-hatred, all of the things that I did to escape the pain of my past. It wasn't until I surrendered and accepted the fact that I couldn't change on my own that change actually became possible. I always say it's the reality of me crying out to God in my weakness, in my distress, in my uncertainty, in in the mess that I was. And this is what I said. I didn't have some profound prayer. I didn't actually have the words to even articulate what spirituality was or what Christian faith was. And I always say in my desperation and in my arrogance, because I was so angry and so hurt, this is my prayer. God, I'll try your effing way. And I edited it because I'm not going to, I mean, you become a changed person. So you don't use the same language that you used in the past. I'll try your effing way. And it was a challenge to God because I had tried everything in my power to change that I thought change was not possible. So I challenged God, I'll try your way because I knew my way didn't work. I'll try your effing way. In that moment, something happened to me. It was a relief. It was this feeling that I wasn't alone anymore. It was this, maybe it was a glimmer of hope that for the first time in all my life, there was a little bit of hope that something could change. What happened in that moment is I was given a guide. I was given God's presence, his spirit to direct me out of the mess that I had made in my life. I was given his presence to lead me out of the darkness and into the light. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I was still afraid. I didn't know where I was going to go. But something in that moment happened because God gave me his presence. So what I wanted to look at today is just a couple of ways that we can practically apply how God can change us from the inside out as we work together with God's spirit. So the first fact that I came to was only God can change us. So we'll look at God, how only God can change us, how our identity has changed, what you you feed grows, and it's a process. So we'll look at these four ideas. So we'll start with the first one first. Only God can change us. Now this is what I learned. I exhausted everything. So I learned from experience. And then when I became a Christian in that process, I began to search the scriptures and see the way that the spirit of God was at work in me long before I ever made that decision. Because what happens when we look back 
we see that God is active in our lives if we allow him or not. So God is active if you're allowing him to be active or you're not allowing him to be active. Well, guess what? God helps you sometimes when you don't want the help. Guess what happens when you want the help? Miracles are possible. Lives can be changed. And the gospel doesn't just lead to like different, and I, and I heard Dylan mention this, it doesn't just lead to like behaviors changing and different things, that happens, but it leads to an internal transformation where the whole trajectory of your life now moves in a direction different than the way it was moving before. So in doing that, things fall away. Like I stopped shooting heroin. I didn't smoke crack anymore. I didn't hang out at the methadone clinic. Those things stopped, but something else deeper was happening inside because God had begun an internal transformation process. Real change was possible because God had begun that change. But I had to first have the omission that I couldn't change myself. And the second I was able to realize that I could not change myself, my life took off like a rocket ship. Because I had tried for so long and so hard. The next thing that we need to look at is our identity changes. So we can't change. God has to change us. And our identity changes. Who we are is no longer connected to all the things that we have done in the past. It's not connected to the things we've done. It's not connected to the things that have happened to us. It's not connected to who we know or what we necessarily do for a living. But our identity is connected to the fact that, the, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to bear the weight of sin so that we could be reconciled back to God and that we could be part of God's family. So our identity is now connected to the idea that we are children of God. So it doesn't matter what we've done in our past. It didn't matter how many times I stuck a needle in my arm. It didn't matter how many times I cheated or I lied or I stole. Because now my identity was connected to the work that God had done. My identity had changed. And in this letter to Ephesians, in the very beginning of chapter 5, just before the passage today, what ended up happening is he talks about, he says, this, therefore be imitators of God and dearly love children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Be imitators of God. Your identity is now connected not to what you have done but to what God has done for you. So our motivation to change is not based in all the attempts and failures we have, but, the, but, our behavior, but our connection to change is based upon the victory that God has conquered for us in Christ over sin. Change is connected to who we are in Christ, not what we've done. This next idea I love. What you feed is what grows. And it's right in the text. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the, with the, by the Spirit. 
Because when we embark on the transformation process, because that's what this is. The Christian life is not just like a way to get your life in order. The Christian life is a way to transform foundationally who you are. So when you embark in the Christian life and you meet Jesus, he puts you on a trajectory to transformation and change where he, his spirit is working in you to change you from the inside out. But guess what happens? Our old way is back there. And he's, he's, he's yelling for us. Yo, what about me? Forget about me? Remember all the comfort that I brought you in the time of distress? Remember how good it felt when you felt alone and you did this? And then you got to remember, you got to be like, actually, you know what? You actually made me feel more alone the more I did you and the more I went to you and the more I felt comfort in you is the, more, the deeper I went into the hole. Because the old way is always going to want to pull us back into isolation, despair, degradation, and depression. But God's spirit always leads us to transformation and new life. Always. So there's conviction there. Don't get me wrong. God's spirit can convict you. And Joe, had it, Joe shared a powerful word about a dream that he had. Because God's spirit can convict you. It can show you something that you're doing in your life, and it can redirect the direction it wants you to go. But sometimes you have to feel that for a second. You got to feel that in your gut. You got to be like, ugh. But the Spirit never leaves you there, it always provides a way out. Always. God doesn't leave you where you are, He brings you from where you are. And it has to happen in the context of community. Because when we, when we begin to follow Jesus and we, we profess faith in Christ, it connects us not only to God, but it connects us to one another. So our new identity means, and as your vision is, to be connected to a new family. And that new family is God's family. So your identity is not just connected to what, based upon what Christ has done, but it connects you to the community. So you work out in community the rough edges around you because people are able, the same God that has directed you to Christ is the same God that has directed you to the people that direct you back to Christ. So people around you can help by directing you and nudging you in a positive direction. So community is essential to a new life. And the last uh, point that I want to make before I close and, and with, a, with a brief story, and this is, this is actually one I thought was, uh, is the fact that all of this is a process. It's a process. It doesn't happen in one day. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And I want to use an analogy that uh, I'm an avid fly fisherman and uh, when I started fly fishing, I had no clue what I was doing. You can ask my wife. I was like, I was totally clueless. And I have an obsessive personality, so I like to learn a lot about things that I get into. It's just who I am. So, like, I made it my mission to try to learn everything about fly fishing. Of course, like, I want to become an expert in, like, the first week. It don't work that way. I had to be humbled by the process. The biggest difference between regular fishing and fly fishing is the way that you actually cast the line out to the water. So I'm going to make this really simple because I, I can get too far into it. 
With a regular fishing rod, what happens? You ready? The weight of the lure or the weight of the bait is what sends it out. So you ready for this? So when I go like this, it goes bloom. So it's just one movement. Bloom. When you fly fish, the fly fishing rod is probably the most important thing that you have because without it, you can't put the line on the water. Because you don't cast with the weight of the lure or the weight of the bait. You cast with the weight of the line because your lure or bait doesn't weigh anything. So let me explain this in a very, I'll show you with a movement. So your hand goes back and the line shoots back and then the line shoots forward. But without the rod tip actually moving that back and forth, guess what happens to the line? It goes absolutely nowhere. It doesn't move at all because you can't throw it out because it doesn't have any weight to it. So you have to actually use the rod as an extension of your arm. So when I first started fly fishing, my arm would get so sore because I would try so hard to force it out there and I would splash it on the water and I'd get it stuck places and I would get so frustrated. But once I began to learn what the tool was, the rod, I began to connect to the rhythm of what the rod actually did did for me. And what the rod did is the rod did all the work and without the rod, I couldn't cast. So the rod had to be connected to the movements that I did. And if I didn't have the rod, I couldn't cast. But guess what? I also had to move my arm. So I had to become in tuned and in rhythm with the fly rod where it became an extension of who I was. God's spirit works the same way in our life. We have to be connected to it. It's a process. We learn as we go. As we become in tune with God's spirit, we can actually propel the fly line or the change in our life or the direction or the trajectory of what we're trying to do because now we're working in tandem with God because God wants to change us from the inside out working in and through us as we do it together. It's a process that we have to learn. I'm going to close with this short story. So I told you I got clean. And when I got clean, I was on a new course, a new direction. But I was totally confused. I was still afraid. Addiction had defeated me so many times. It had called me back to itself. It had moved me in so many different ways to go back to the destruction of my past. So I'll never forget this. I was going to a 12-step meeting, and I get off the L in Philly, in West Philly, and everyone on the corner starts yelling, yo, 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 over here, over here. And I'm like, and I'm like, my hands are sweating, I'm shaking, I'm like, and I got money in my pocket. I'm like, what the hell, what, what? And I remember going to the meeting, and I, and I went to the meeting, and I didn't get high. I was like, I don't know how I did that, I don't know what happened, but like, they're yelling my name, they're yelling for me, I'm, a, I'm right there. And then I, and I go back, I leave, and then I go home, and I call my sponsor. And a sponsor, and this is really good to get get a sponsor or a guide, someone that's been there before you that can share with you. So even in Christian faith, we want to have mentors or guides, people that have been there before us that can share with us when we experience something. So I'm petrified, thinking what the heck just happened? I thought I was going to like throw all my clean time away and ruin my life. And this is what my sponsor said to me. He goes, I knew you'd be all right. And he's like laughing. I'm like, what the? It's not funny. Like, what are you laughing at? I'm petrified over here. My hands were shaking and sweating. He goes, 
your purpose had changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, what? I was confused for a second. He said, your purpose before was to get high. Your purpose today is to stay clean. When your course changes, you're going in the right direction. That's what God's spirit does for us. It redirects our course. It puts us in a new direction. And when we follow it, we don't have anything to fear. My purpose was different. I wasn't going to 60 at the market to get heroin. I was going to 60 at the market to chase recovery. My purpose had changed. My direction had changed. The course of my life had changed. God's spirit was in, at work in me and in the world. And those two things had met up. And it had put me in a new direction. I understood that God was for me. God was with me. God had rescued me. And he was rescuing me. It's a process. God's spirit works in and through us. As we, as, we, as, we, as we become in tune and in rhythm to the work that he's doing in our lives and in the world, we can utilize those tools that he gives us, the community, prayer, scripture reading, and these means that he gives us to change. I'm going to take a minute just to pray for us and then uh, pass, pass it back over to Joe. So let us take a moment.